0: Whoopi Goldberg says the Holocaust wasn't about race. 70% of Americans think it's time to move beyond COVID, and New York Democrats use gerrymandering in radical new ways. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Privacy is a right, not a privilege. Defend your rights at expressvpn.com. Slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just one moment, and much news there is. But first... Let's talk about the simple fact that inflation under the current administration is now at a 40-year high. Every single thing is more expensive. Cars, gas, groceries, housing. The cost of living increases are bankrupting Americans. Your wages might be increasing. Inflation is outpacing those wage increases. This is why you need to find areas in your life where you can save money. Your wireless bill is one of those places. Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, they all overcharge you for the same service you could be getting from Pure Talk at a fraction of the cost. That's why I'm a customer and why you should be one as well. And listen to this. Unlimited talk, text, and unlimited data plus hotspot for just 55 bucks a month. That's right. More data for less money. Join the hundreds of thousands who are saving every single month with Pure Talk. Head on over to puretalk.com, find the plan that is right for you, find the phone that's right for you, or you can just bring your own. And then this month only, enter promo code Ben Shapiro. You'll save an additional 25% off your first three months of coverage. That's puretalk.com, promo code Ben Shapiro. Why spend more money when you could be spending less money? You know, use the same coverage as Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, one of the big guys, and save a bunch of money in the process. puretalk.com, promo code Ben Shapiro to save an additional 25% off your first three months. Okay, so every single day on The View is a contest in stupidity. Truly, it's, it's, an amazing, it's, a, it's, it's an amazingly competitive match between some of the dumbest people on earth. No one really notices on a given day that Whoopi Goldberg is a very dumb person who says very dumb things because everybody else is so dumb on The View that she's constantly outshone. She seems like the most sane person on The View, which is kind of an amazing statement. Trying to suss out which person on The View is least intelligent is an exercise in quantum mechanics. But I will say that on Monday, Whoopi Goldberg really did stand out. It it was astonishing. But here's the thing. It wasn't just that what she said was stupid. It's that what she says is anti-Semitic and vicious. It's anti-Semitic and vicious in a way that the left doesn't even believe is anti-Semitic and vicious. And that's what makes it so terrible. So the topic of the Holocaust came up. It came up in the context of this Tennessee school board, very, very small county, small town, McMinn County School Board, which decided that they were going to remove the Pulitzer Prize winning graphic novel Mouse. From their Holocaust curriculum for eighth graders. Okay, they weren't getting rid of it at the library. They weren't saying that no one can read it. They were saying that we don't want this to be part of the direct curriculum for eighth graders because there's a little bit of nudity and there's some cursing. Now, I may disagree with that, but this is what school boards do all over the country. In Seattle, they just get rid of things like to kill a mockingbird, but but in McMinn County, they say we don't want mouse here. We'll have something else here for the Holocaust unit. Now we're never gonna teach the kids about the Holocaust again. We're just not gonna use mouse. Okay, so again, something I might disagree with, but certainly not. an exercise in brutal, vicious anti-Semitism. Okay, but this turned into a global phenomenon, a a, a massive scandal, because whenever there is a right-wing area that seems to suppress a book, this is a national story. When left-wing areas do it on a regular basis, that's not a national story. That's just them being good stewards of children. In any case, this was a controversial thing. became a controversial thing, by the way, months after the fact, or at least weeks after the fact. This happened at the beginning of the year. It didn't break until the very end of January. In any case, Whoopi Goldberg and the ladies of The View, the, the, the combined IQ of a kumquat, uh, they decide that they are going to start talking about the Holocaust from their perches as, as great scholars of the Holocaust. And Whoopi Goldberg, maybe because her last name is, is Goldberg, decides that she is going to inject herself into this conversation. And she has a take on the Holocaust that is, I will say, Unique, but not that unique. And this, here, here's why it's important. I'll explain in a second why it's important. First, let's hear Whoopi Goldberg explain why everyone in the world is racist, except for Hitler, apparently. The
1: Holocaust isn't about race. No. No, it's well, not about race. It's it's well, no, it's Jews about a different but, race. But it's, it's not about race. It's not about well, race. What is it about? Because you, it's about man's inhumanity to man. That's what it's about. But it's about white supremacy. It's well, about but the it's not about race. But these are two Romans. white groups of people. Well, how do we, have we have to black people, people, as white people. And But you're missing the point. You're missing yeah. the point. The yeah. minute you turn it into race, it goes down this alley. Let's talk about it for what it is. It's how people treat each other.
0: It's about how people treat each other. It's not about race. Okay, so. You actually have to start this conversation a little earlier because Whoopi Goldberg actually said right before this that that this is white people. This is a direct quote. This is white people doing it to white people. Y'all go fight amongst yourselves. White people doing it to white people. Y'all go fight about this amongst yourselves. Now, naturally, everybody came down on Whoopi Goldberg because this is one of the dumbest things ever. I mean, the simple fact of the matter is that Hitler obviously treated the Jews as a race. He explicitly said they're not a religion, they are a race. The Nuremberg Laws were directed against Jews as an ethnicity, and it really is only in the very, very modern era that people have started to lump in Jews with white people. For the vast majority of history, Jews were considered their own ethnic group. Not only were they considered their own ethnic group, they were barred from places like country clubs in many parts of the United States. It's really only in the last 30, 40 years that white people and Jews have been considered concomitant In the same way, by the way, that Italians started being considered white, Irish people started being considered white, Germans started being considered white. Like, white as a group has been expanding for quite a while in terms of popular rubric. But there's no question that the Germans saw the Jews as a separate race. So did the French, by the way, right? Which is why the Dreyfus affair was a thing. So, Whoopi Goldberg is ignorant, no question. I mean, what she's saying is is full-scale stupid. It's ignorant. I mean, this this is a direct quote from Hitler in Mein Kampf, quote, is not their very existence founded on one great lie, namely that they are a religious community, whereas in reality, they are a race. Hitler's big thing was that he liked to call Jews a race of parasites. So Whoopi Goldberg is just wrong on the merits. So in one second, we'll get to her apology and then her doubling down on Stephen Colbert. But what I really want to get into is why this matters, because it actually does matter quite an awful lot. It goes to the heart of what the left thinks about race and systems of power, and it's really dangerous. It actually foments anti-Semitism. It forwards anti-Semitism. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let's talk about something you can do for your loved one this Valentine's Day season. I'm talking about the great gift of fine pearl jewelry. At the Pearl Source, you get the highest quality pearl jewelry at up to 70% off retail prices. Why? Because the Pearl Source cuts out the middleman by eliminating those crazy jewelry store markups and selling directly to you, the consumer. At the Pearl Source, you'll find the largest selection of pearls available anywhere. Each jewelry piece is custom made specifically for you. You need it quickly for Valentine's Day? No problem. The Pearl Source offers fast and free two day shipping on every order with zero contact delivery. Everything comes beautifully packaged in an elegant jewelry box. It's ready to be given as a gift. Not sure if she'll love the gift? Don't worry. The Pearl Source comes with the no hassle 60 day money back guarantee with free return shipping, so it is risk free. I know the people who own the Pearl Source, who founded the Pearl Source. It is a great company. It's a great family run American business. The Pearl Source is terrific. My wife has jewelry from the Pearl Source, my daughters have jewelry from The Pearl Source. For a limited time, listeners to my show can take 20% off your entire order. Don't wait until it's too late to get that Valentine's Day gift to beat the Valentine's Day crunch right now. Go to thepearlsource.com slash Ben. Enter promo code Ben at checkout for 20% off your entire order. If you want fine pearl jewelry at the best prices online, go straight to the source, The Pearl Source, thepearlsource.com backslash Ben. Enter promo code Ben at checkout. Okay, so, Whoopi Goldberg gets hit with a wave of you're an idiot tweets, And then she quasi backs down. So, What she does is she cites Jonathan Greenblatt from the Anti-Defamation League. She puts out a statement and says, quote, On today's show, I said the Holocaust is not about race, but about man's inhumanity to man. I should have said it is about both. As Jonathan Greenblatt from the Anti-Defamation League shared, the Holocaust was about the Nazis' systematic annihilation of the Jewish people who they deemed to be an inferior race. I stand corrected. The Jewish people around the world have always had my support and that will never waver. I'm sorry for the hurt I have caused. Written with my sincerest apologies, Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, I don't believe you. And the reason I don't believe you is because she then went on Stephen Colbert last night and Colbert basically tried to massage her into something more acceptable. And both he and Whoopi Goldberg screwed it up. But Whoopi just kept doubling down on the idea that this is white people who are trying to murder other white people, which means that it's between two of y'all, right? It's between y'all, as, as she suggested on The View. Here is Whoopi Goldberg again, trying to suggest that discrimination only exists when you can see visible differences between people and not when you make up physical by, by the way, the, the Nazis tried to come up with physical differences between Jews and and, and Aryans, right? They, they tried to suggest that Jews had longer noses and certain types of physiognomy and all of this. Anyway, here is Whoopi Goldberg screwing it up again.
1: As a black person, I think of race as being something that I can see. So I see you and I know what race you are. And the discussion was about how I felt about that. I felt that, that it was really more about man's inhumanity to man and how horrible people can be to people. And we're seeing it manifest itself these days.
0: Okay, so then Colbert tried to massage her into. He said, what I've read about how the Nazis operated when they found out that you were of the Jewish race. That's why they'd make you wear a star so they could see. And then Goldberg started doubling down, she said, so they could identify you. But my point is they had to do the work. If the Klan is coming down the street and I'm standing with a Jewish friend and neither one, well, I'm going to run. But if my friend decides not to run, I'll get passed by most times because you can't tell who's Jewish. It's not something that people say, oh, that person is Jewish or this person is Jewish. You're right. No one in history has ever said this person is Jewish or that person is Jewish. No one's ever done that, ever. Actually, Whoopi Goldberg. It's kind of astonishing. By the way, if you said to Whoopi Goldberg, on a logical level, she is suggesting that race and racism only apply when you can actually identify at a moment's notice what the person's race is. We know that isn't true. And there have been many cases in American history, particularly during the segregation era, when black people who were very light-skinned would attempt to pass as white, and when they were found out to be black, using the quote-unquote one-drop rule, which is the most racist thing ever, when they were found out to be black, they were then discriminated against. So according to Whoopi Goldberg, that wouldn't be about race. That'd be a white person discriminating against a white person, presumably, because they're not overtly identifiable. Okay, here's the reason why Whoopi Goldberg is doing this. It's not because Whoopi Goldberg is trying to get beyond race. There are two ways of reading Whoopi Goldberg. The kind reading is that she's trying to get beyond race, but we know that's not the case because Whoopi Goldberg has never, ever gotten beyond race in any controversy ever. Everyone, apparently everywhere, is racist except for Hitler, except for the Holocaust, which wasn't racist because it was about white people attacking white people. Everything else is racist. To understand what Whoopi Goldberg is saying and why this matters, you have to understand intersectional theory. So intersectional theory basically suggests that structures of power are set up whereby victimizing groups victimize people in victimized groups. And the way you can tell who is a victimizing group is by success level. When you look at America, for example, you can see that black Americans are victimized, not by looking at their actual treatments in American society, but because they are less wealthy than, for example, white groups. And this is why you will see intersectional hierarchy advocates suggesting that black people today are meeting with the same sorts of discrimination in subtler ways than they were 70 years ago, which, of course, is absurd on its face. In fact, the only legal discrimination allowed in the United States right now is discrimination in favor of black candidates, as Joe Biden is proving with his Supreme Court pick. In any case, the the basic notion that systems of power undergird all of success and failure, and therefore that the white success in America right now is due to white supremacy. And black lack of success on a group level is due to white supremacy, right? This is the intersectional theory. This is what's promoted by Kimberly Crenshaw. This is what's promoted by Ibram X. Kendi. It's nonsense. It's nonsense because it fails to treat people as individuals. And then it goes even further. It suggests that the systems of power that have been set up by white people in the United States are systems that value things like promptness, timeliness, personal responsibility. And these are racial constructs. These are societal constructs made up by white people to benefit white people. This is the underlying theory of critical race theory. Which, again, was, I mean, there, there's a, if you think that I'm, I'm exaggerating this, this was an actual display at the National Museum of African American History at the Smithsonian. It was a whole display about white ideas, and those white ideas included things like personal responsibility and timeliness. It was insane. Super racist, right? David Duke agreed with every word. Okay, but this is the intersectional theory. And according to the intersectional theorists, Jews are white because Jews are successful. This is why Asians are now becoming white adjacent. This is how intersectional theorists term Asians today. Asian-American groups that are disproportionately successful would blow up the entire intersectional matrix. Because again, the intersectional matrix is based on the idea that white people constructed systems to benefit white people. That they are, that they are subtly and innately racist because the systems benefit the whites. The problem is the highest earning income groups in the United States are groups like Indian Americans and Asian Americans, Korean Americans, Nigerian Americans. And so it's very difficult to make the case that America is a white supremacist society when the highest earning groups in America are not white. And so what the intersectional theorists do instead is they say that these groups are now white adjacent. This first started being applied with regard to Jews. So the idea was that when Jews became financially successful, they were now white. And if you are on that intersectional hierarchy, if you, if you rank near the top in terms of your victimizing status, this means you can no longer be victimized. Jews can no longer be victimized. You understand? The only way Jews can ever be victimized is if they are victimized by somebody higher on the intersectional hierarchy. White people, right? So if there's white supremacists and they murder Jews at Tree of Life, then you can talk about anti-Semitism. However, if Ilhan Omar, who is of Arab extraction, if, if Ilhan Omar from Somalia or Rashida Tlaib, who is Palestinian, if either of them spout open anti-Semitism, that's not anti-Semitism because both of them are lower on the intersectional hierarchy in terms of power dynamics. And this has been fomented by full organizations on the left, including now the the Anti-Defamation League, which has been completely hijacked by the left. The Anti-Defamation League used to be about fighting anti-Semitism. That's what it was. Now it's just about promoting wild left causes under the guise of fighting anti-Semitism. Absurdly enough, they literally redefined racism, the term racism they would redefined in order to meet with the approval of radical left intersectional theory jackasses. In June of 2020, the Anti-Defamation League defined racism like this. This is how they defined racism, quote. Racism is the belief that a particular race is superior or inferior to another, that a person's social and moral traits are predetermined by his or her inborn biological characteristics. Racial separatism is the belief, most of the time based on racism, that different races should remain segregated and apart from one another. Okay, then, after the Black Lives Matter movement, they literally went in and redefined the term racism. Here's what racism now means, according to the Anti-Defamation League. This, by the way, is why Whoopi Goldberg is quoting the Anti-Defamation League, because they mirror her general viewpoint on the world. Here is how the ADL now defines racism. Quote, the marginalization and or oppression of people of color based on a societally constructed racial hierarchy that privileges white people. You see? It's no longer racism. There's no racism against white people. There's no racism against people who are higher on the intersectional power pyramid. There can't be racism from blacks toward Asians. There can't be racism from Asians toward white people. There can't be there can't be any sort of racism from minorities toward Jews because if minorities victimize Jews, well Jews are white. So that can't really be a thing. This is why the left will constantly justify anti-Semitic acts or ignore them. As long as they are coming from, say, black Hebrew Israelites in New Jersey attempting to murder Jews or black people on the streets of Williamsburg beating the hell out of Jews on the street, right? All of those crimes get completely ignored because they don't fall within the purview of the left's definition of intersectional racism. This is why it was a national news story when there was a white supremacist who shot up a Chabad in Poway. But it was not really a national news story for more than about 30 seconds when a Muslim radical tried to murder a bunch of people at a synagogue in Texas. Because remember, Muslims are brown, generally speaking, even though that's not true. There are a lot of white Muslims. Muslims are brown, generally speaking, and therefore they are a member of a victimized minority group, whereas Jews, who constitute some, what, 0.2% of the global population, something like that? Jews are, are a, a, a majority evil power group, while Muslims, who constitute about, what, billion and a half, two billion people on planet Earth? That's a victimized minority group. Right? This, is, this is the concept. The intersectional hierarchy is an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. It crosses streams with it. This is the entire theory. And this is why it's important what Whoopi Goldberg was saying. We'll get to more of this in just one second. First, we here at The Daily Wire, we love to support excellent American companies, which is why we at The Daily Wire are exclusive now with Good Ranchers, the 100% American meat company. Now, here's the thing. They're not just Good Ranchers. They're the best ranchers. Once we laid eyes on the steaks from Good Ranchers, it was hunger at first sight. They sell beef that is 100% born, raised, harvested right here In the United States, that's a big deal considering 85% of the grass-fed beef sold in stores and online is imported from overseas. With Good Ranchers, you help support local American farms and ranches while getting steakhouse quality cuts delivered straight to your door. They win on quality, price, and mission, which is why we are very excited to partner with them. I've met the owners of the company. Fantastic, fantastic people. They take good care of us. They will take great care of you. Head on over to GoodRanchers.com slash Ben to get their biggest offer ever, 30 bucks, off your first order plus free express shipping. Use code Ben at checkout or go to goodranchers.com slash Ben to get 30 bucks off your box of delicious American meat. Now, you know, ladies, you're trying to figure out what to get for your guy on Valentine's Day. This is it right here. Goodranchers.com slash Ben to get their biggest offer ever. Order today to get American meat delivered with Good Ranchers. Okay, so Whoopi Goldberg's basic take here crosses streams with intersectionality. This is why she keeps insisting that Jews are white people. And because Jews are white people, they can't actually be victimized. They they are only the victimizers. You see this play out in the Middle East all the time. And whenever there is a war between Israel and Hamas, Hamas is an overt terrorist group that wishes to murder children and push Jews into the sea. You will see the intersectional left in the United States hop on out and say that the Jews are the problem because the Jews are white. Representative Jamal Bowman from New York, actually said this last time around. He condemned Israel for defending itself against rocket attacks by Hamas. He said that they were, quote, black and they were creating... Black and brown bodies being brutalized and murdered. It's about race. And the Jews are white. I mean, never mind, by the way, the fact that there are tons of not white Jews. My wife is a Moroccan Jew. There's a whole sect of Ethiopian Jews. There are tons of Jews from all over the world, many different ethnicities. But they are not white. And they are also not just, you know, a a consolidated group of anti-brown people. It's absurd. It's absurd. Okay, but this has to be part of the generalized power dynamic theory of the left. And the intersectional theory about life and the anti-Semitic theory about life are almost indistinguishable. Intersectionality claims that white people control societal institutions for the empowerment of white people. Anti-Semitism claims that Jews control global institutions on behalf of Jewish people. Intersectionality then claims that Jews are white people. Okay, well, by the transitive power uh, property, if Jews are white people, and if white people control all the institutions of society, then Jews control all the institutions of society and you're just saying anti-Semitism now. So this is why this matters. And it really does. And it allows for anti-Semitism not just to prosper and flourish, but to be ignored by wide swaths of the left on behalf of anti-racism. In order to fight racism, you have to be anti-Semitic. In order to fight racism, you have to pretend that Jews are white people and that attacks on Jews are innately attacks that are are not race-centered and have nothing to do with race. So the only type of anti-Semitism that the left ever pays attention to, for example, are neo-Nazi rallies in Florida. So this got all sorts of attention in Orlando. Now all my friends started sending me, obviously, clips of this. In Orlando, there was a, a group of, of anti-Semites who got together, neo-Nazis, uh, and um, it was like 15 to 20 of them. And they were just shouting anti-Semitic slogans and carrying Nazi flags and, and doing what horrible white supremacist anti-Semites do. And then Ron DeSantis was asked about this. And Ron DeSantis called them jackasses which they are. And the left said, well, why isn't Ron DeSantis stopping all of this? Why isn't, well, I mean, number one, these people are garbage. Also, the First Amendment does exist in the United States and Ron DeSantis is the governor of one of these states in the United States. So he doesn't actually have the legal power, nor should he, to stop the the Nazis from being in the park over here. That used to be, by the way, the position of the left, right? That was the ACLU that was suing to allow Nazis to march through Skokie, for example. Okay, but The left decided that Ron DeSantis was an anti-Semite because he wasn't doing enough about this. Meanwhile, they've got Ilhan Omar over here and Rashida Tlaib over here and they're hanging out with Linda Sarsour and they got Bernie Sanders hanging out with Jeremy Corbyn. It's it's an absurdity. It's an absurdity. Meanwhile, they're just ignoring for for a fact other overt acts of anti-Semitism that don't meet with the intersectional hierarchy's approval. So for example, The Associated Press reported over the weekend, this did not make national news really, a synagogue and an affiliated Jewish school in Chicago were vandalized over the weekend with swastika images and anti-Semitic graffiti. The incidents occurred Sunday at the Free Synagogue in Hannah Sacks, base Yaakov High School. Vandalism also occurred at a synagogue in the Chicago suburb of Lincolnwood. A Jewish group, the Concerned Citizens League, said windows were broken Saturday at a Chicago bakery and a kosher food store. Mayor Lori Lightfoot said at least one person was arrested. Okay, now, we don't know who that one person is who was arrested. I can fairly guarantee that person was not a white supremacist because if that person had been a white supremacist, Lori Lightfoot would have announced it. That is the way anti-Semitic attacks work. Just like, by the way, anti-Asian attacks. When, when, an, when an Asian lady gets pushed in front of a subway in New York City, we wait a couple of days before we announce who did that. And that. That's the way all of this works. The intersectional philosophy is dangerous. It reflects anti-Semitism. Whoopi Goldberg is just repeating the nostrums that she has heard here that de Jews from the quote-unquote narrative of the Holocaust in order to promote the idea, once again, that any suffering that is not undergone by a lower-level intersectional group at the behest of a higher-level intersectional group is not true suffering at all and is really not about their group identity. It must be about something else. In just one second, we'll get to the latest on COVID, new polling showing that Americans are ready to move on, but Democrats are certainly not. We'll get to that in a moment. First, let's talk about getting in shape. So This New Year's, you've been thinking a lot about getting in shape and maybe blown it off for the past couple of weeks. But here is the thing. Now is a great time to get started. I can't always make it to the gym. And sometimes the day just creeps up on me. Well, that means that about 8 o'clock at night, it's time to pop on my Echelon bike. Echelon brings the gym home to you. Have a New Year's resolution, reach your fitness goals. It can really help to have a world-class instructor choreographing classes, music from your favorite artists, a community of hundreds of thousands of people who can give you that extra push. Echelon will give you that. Echelon is the affordable way to get the workout equipment, the workout community, and an instructor's motivation right in the comfort of your own home. Echelon's fitness app provides you thousands of live and on demand classes with great music. With Echelon, you can work out anytime, day or night, and crush those fitness goals. Just pick your class, climb the leaderboard, cheer each other on, give it your all. Echelon's certified fitness instructors are supportive, engaging, and fun. They really know how to get you moving. Echelon's full range of affordable workout equipment, including stationary bikes, smart rowers, sleek fitness screens, the auto folding treadmill, are all connected to provide the Echelon experience. They've got around-the-clock classes for family, including full-body workout programs that keep you coming back. One membership will cover a family of five. Right now, for a limited time, podcast listeners get up to 840 bucks off MSRP. That's a great deal. Get this exclusive podcast discount today by texting Ben to 818181. Again, text my name, Ben, to 818181. Get up to 840 bucks off MSRP. Text Ben to 818181. Message and data rates may apply. Terms available at echelonfit.com slash SMS. Membership sold separately. All so... Quick final note on on Whoopi Goldberg before we move on. So here's the final note. Everyone knows that if Whoopi Goldberg were a right winger, she'd be out of a job today. Whoopi Goldberg is a left winger, so she will not be out of a job today. Roseanne Barr can say a, a racist thing about Valerie Jarrett and get her top rated show on ABC immediately canceled. Whoopi Goldberg can go on the air every day of every week and say overtly racist and anti Semitic things, and no one will care. Because so long as you are of the left, this is a get out of jail free card. It does not matter how viciously. You attack Jews. It doesn't matter how much you decensor Jews from the Holocaust. <laughs> My God, it, none of that matters. So long as you are of the left, you have a get out of jail free card. Meanwhile, if you're Ilya Shapiro, a constitutional law professor who is about to be a lecturer at Georgetown Law, if you note that Joe Biden is saying a racist thing by saying that he only wants to select a black woman for the Supreme Court, if you say that, they will, launch, they will suspend you and launch a full investigation at Georgetown Law Everybody knows this isn't about Ilya Shapiro's credentials or him saying anything racist. The only reason they're going after Ilya Shapiro is, of course, because Ilya Shapiro happens to be conservative. He's from the Cato Institute. And this means that anything he says, even if it's not racist, actually is racist. By the way, this is the same kind of nonsense that Nicole Hannah-Jones is constantly pushing. Right? It, it's, she did this, by the way, with Joe Rogan. Nicole Hannah-Jones says that Joe Rogan is is an overt racist, despite the fact that she has no evidence that Joe Rogan is a racist because he's not a racist. She calls him a racist because he deems it worthy of conversation to talk with people like me and Jordan Peterson. For, For the left, if you are on the left, you always, you can say whatever you want. The rules don't apply to the left. This is why it is now a fool's errand to try and seek consistency in rules from the left. They don't care. It doesn't matter to them. The hardcore left just is about power. Everything they say is projection. When they talk about intersectional theories of power and how there's a hierarchy of power constructed by certain people for their own benefit, that's because that's what they want to do. They wish to construct hierarchies of power based on racial characteristics and then use those hierarchies of power to benefit particular people. And they are overt about this. But they say that you are doing it. They suggest that you are a racist if you have conversations with a wide variety of people and they are not censors, even though they are attempting to censor you. This is what they do. And this extended obviously into, into Joe Rogan, the, the, the Joe Rogan issue over the course of the last couple of days. You saw members of the media overtly declaring that Joe Rogan ought to be censored. Make no mistake, this is not about Joe Rogan's take on vaccines. It really is not. This is about the fact that they've hated Rogan for years because Rogan has on people they don't like. It is that simple. If Joe Rogan were a, were a wild left guy, I mean, by the way, he said he, ver- he would vote for Bernie. But if he were a consistently, overtly wild left guy, And he said stuff that was doubting about vaccines. They would not care. They would not care. They would make excuses for it. They would suggest that maybe he's just misinformed. They certainly would not call for his deplatforming. But now they're saying that Joe Rogan is dangerous. The real reason they think Joe Rogan is dangerous, of course, is because he's saying things on a bunch of other topics that they don't like. So here was CBS the other day demanding that, that Rogan be censored by Spotify.
1: You have a First Amendment right to say what you want. You don't have a First Amendment right to appear on a platform as large as Spotify. That's the issue. Joe Rogan is correct that the medical world gets stuff wrong, but there's a process by which the medical world corrects itself. And that process is not interviewing guys on the fringe of the medical world on your massive platform. That's called irresponsible. It's not censorship. Right. Editors are not censors. They're ensuring quality.
0: Okay, that's absurd. This guy's a jackass and he's an idiot. Okay, the simple fact is that Joe Rogan doesn't even need Spotify. Spotify needs Joe Rogan, which is why Spotify is paying Joe Rogan and not the other way around. If Joe Rogan were to get fired by Spotify tomorrow, first of all he'd pick up a hundred million dollar payday, second of all, he would just relaunch his podcast anywhere else and make the equivalent amount of money and maybe more okay so that's that's silly also you'll notice that the left is very fond of now using the quasi libertarian argument in which they suggest there's no first there's no First Amendment right to have your material put on a on a platform as big as Spotify. Well that's true also I've noticed that you guys in general are very much in favor of, of using the government in order to pressure places like Spotify to remove material you don't like. You want free speech restrictions. I don't trust you about what private corporations should do because you would have no problem with the government today coming in and cracking down on free speech just plain. You, know, you would have no problem with the government passing a law today banning COVID-19 misinformation as you define it. And by the way, when he says, you know, the scientific community, we have a way of, of weeding out bad information and misinformation. Do you, though? Do you, or did you spend the last two years knocking people off social media for saying things that were overtly true based on information, based on data? People would cite data and you would still knock them down. For the left, it's not about open discourse and a scientific process. It's about we get what we want or we knock you down. That's all. Brian Stelter did the same thing on CNN. He was saying, you know, the the problem isn't that people trust Rogan more than they, they trust us because of us. The problem isn't us. The problem is the people. They should trust us you know, and we've been having on every nut we can find to suggest that children must mask until the end of time and that millions of children are dying all the time. and they, they, they need to trust us because we're really good at this, as Brian Stelter.
1: You think about major newsrooms like CNN that have health departments and desks and operations that work hard on verifying information on COVID-19. And then you have talk show stars like Joe Rogan who just wing it, who make it up as they go along. And because figures like Rogan are trusted by people that don't trust real newsrooms, we have a tension, a problem that's much bigger than Spotify, much bigger than any single platform, Kate. But that's what the, is the heart of this right now.
0: OK, by the way, I guarantee you that if Joe Rogan sat down with Brian Stelter, he knows much more about vaccines and about and about COVID than Brian Stelter knows. Brian Stelter knows a bunch of slogans he's been hearing from Leanna Wen. That's pretty much all that Brian Stelter knows at all. Rogan, for his part, made the proper and correct m- move when, when asked about this. And he gave, like, a quasi-apology. It wasn't really an apology. I mean, Joe, Joe basically said, if you're offended, sorry. And I'll try to have on more guests of diverse viewpoints, I guess. But, but the real point that he made was at the beginning of his, of his quasi-apology in which he pointed out, you guys keep saying misinformation, but three-quarters of what you said was misinformation now turns out to be true.
1: The problem I have with the term misinformation, especially today, is that many of the things that we thought of as misinformation just a short while ago are now accepted as fact. Like, for instance... Eight months ago, if you said, if you get vaccinated, you can still catch COVID and you can still spread COVID, you would be removed from social media. They would, they would ban you from certain platforms. Now, that's accepted as fact. If you said, I don't think cloth masks work, you would be banned from social media. Now, that's openly and repeatedly stated on CNN. If you said, I think it's possible that COVID-19 came from a lab, you'd be banned from many social media platforms. Now, that's on the cover of Newsweek.
0: Okay, meanwhile, by the way, um, Reuters put out a report, you know, ivermectin, people medicine, as, as Joe Rogan once suggested. There's a, there's a report today from Reuters suggesting that there has been a Japanese company that says that ivermectin shows an antiviral effect against COVID. That is Reuters. Not me, not Joe Rogan, Reuters. Okay, but, but this is the whole point. The whole point is that if you follow the priors of the left, And if you do what they say on any given day, they will allow you to get away with murder. They will allow you to get away with pretty much anything, with pretty much anything, which is why you should not trust them. When they suggest that they want to crack down on big tech because they don't like big tech's predations over data, no, what they really want is just to control what big tech allows you to see. Half of the problems that we've had with YouTube and and Facebook and, and all the rest of the social media companies are the government trying to cudgel all of these social media companies into line to do the sort of, censorship that the government could not do itself They've basically militarized all of these companies to do all of the things that they weren't able to do in the first place again these folks have no principles on the left there's no principle to which they will not there's no principle they won't discard in pursuit of power i'll get to that in just a second because the way that new york is now redistricting is a full-scale violation of all of their precepts with regard to supposed voter equality we'll get to that in just one second first I'm sure we all know about the Ring video doorbell by now, because I've been talking about it for quite a while. But something you may not know is that Ring also makes an alarm. It is true. Ring makes an alarm. Ring Alarm is an award-winning home security system with available professional monitoring. Best of all, you can easily install it yourself. I did it myself. It's simple to set up, easy to use. I got all of the sensors for motion, doors, and windows that will work on any house or apartment like yours. I get notified right on my phone whenever anything is detected, which is why I've partnered with Ring. So like me with Ring Alarm, you and your loved ones can rest easy knowing Ring is helping to protect your home. And it's more than just security. It can add sensors that help protect your home from flood, freeze, and fire as well. And they've got professional monitoring, which gives you peace of mind. That is part of the Ring Protect subscription. There are no long-term commitments. If anything happens, professional monitoring will call you and can request emergency services. Best of all, Ring's professional monitoring is an amazing deal. You get award-winning professional monitoring for less money than most professional alarm companies. Ring has an award-winning alarm. Go to ring.com forward slash Ben to get a great deal on a Ring Alarm home security kit today. That is ring.com forward slash Ben. I'm paranoid about security. Ring makes me very happy. It makes my wife happy as well. Go check them out today. Ring.com. Forward slash ben. righty. Tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, Candace Owens sits down with one of the doctors that the media love to hate, Dr. Robert Malone, in an exclusive two-part interview airing tonight and tomorrow. After Dr. Malone's recent interview with Joe Rogan sparked backlash for both Rogan and Spotify, Candace is digging in to make sure voices on all sides of the vaccine issue are heard. Take a look. In order to evaluate any vaccine, you want to hear both sides of an argument.
1: All media and information that we are currently encountering is manipulated.
0: I want to jump in and talk about when your interview with Joe Rogan started going viral.
1: Not only was Google triggered, a whole range of, of legacy media were triggered.
0: It's an entire ecosystem of illegality and corruption.
1: You should be, and you are appropriately outraged about this. You can judge the value of a society by how it treats its children. Our treatment of our children has been atrocious.
0: This is the red line, right? This is the line. What is it that drives you to keep going toward truth?
1: I've been given the gift that I might be able to make a positive impact. How can I walk away from that?
0: You can watch both parts exclusively at dailywire.com. Part one airs tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central. Part two premieres tomorrow at the same time. If you don't already have a Daily Wire membership, head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe right now. Use code SCIENCE for 25% off. Seriously, you're not going to want to miss this. Also, if you have not yet heard, Matt Walsh is now maybe America's most prominent voice in the transgender conversation, mostly because he's the author of the best-selling children's LGBTQ plus book, Johnny the Walrus. That's why he was invited to Dr. Phil to discuss these most important issues with experts who could not tell him What a Woman Was. If you haven't seen it yet, I highly recommend you check it out. Even more importantly, if you haven't yet picked up a copy of his best-selling children's book, you should do so immediately. It sold out in 48 hours when it was released. Don't worry, more copies are now on the way. Reserve, Johnny the Walrus, now on Amazon. You're listening to the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. When I talk about the fact that Democrats don't have any principles, I mean it. So Democrats have been complaining here for what? years now about evil Republican redistricting. The Republicans were going to redistrict their way into a majority in the House. Well, here's what they are doing in New York. They're just adding seats. They've just created an entirely new map in which New York Democrats could gain three House seats and lose a Republican seat. Remember that New York is set to lose a seat because of all the population movement away from New York because of leftist governance. And so they're going to eliminate a seat. The seat that's going to be eliminated is likely a Republican seat, which means the Republicans lose four seats and Democrats pick up three of those seats just by redrawing the lines. And they're doing so in the most obvious and insane fashion. I mean, the lines that they are drawing, they're absurd. I mean, they're, they're just ridiculous. Gerrymandering always looks ridiculous. But when Democrats claim that these districts are being drawn for population reasons, that's obviously untrue. Like, truly ridiculous. According to the New York Times, New York Democrats on Sunday proposed a starkly partisan redesign of the state's congressional map. that would be one of the most consequential in the nation, offering the party's candidates an advantage in 22 of the state's 26 House districts in the fall's midterm election. Party leaders in Albany insisted the redrawn districts were not politically motivated, but the map immediately exposed Democrats to charges they were engaging in the same kind of gerrymandering many in the party have denounced as anti-democratic and accused Republicans of carrying out elsewhere. The proposed lines promised promised to be a major boon for the party for a decade to come, beginning with the hard-fought national battle with Republicans this year for control of the House of Representatives. With President Biden's agenda hanging in the balance, Democratic gains in New York could help offset those Republicans that expect to rack up in states like Texas, Florida, and Georgia. Dave Wasserman, national elections analyst with Cook Political Report, said with a stroke of a pen, they can gain three seats and eliminate four Republican seats. He called the lines an effective gerrymander by Democrats. He says that's a pretty big shift. In fact, it's probably the biggest shift in the country. The new lines give Democrats opportunities to pick up seats on Long Island, in upstate New York and in New York City, where Representative Nicole Maliotakis, a Staten Island Republican, would be drawn into a Democratic-leaning district. Republicans are likely to lose that fourth seat because New York has to shed one district overall. Other proposed changes could help shore up Democrats' hold on swing districts on Long Island and in the Hudson Valley, ahead of what is expected to be a punishing election season for the party overall. In 2014, New York state voters had empowered a bipartisan commission to draw the new districts, but the panel broke down on party lines and couldn't reach consensus. So Democratic leaders in Albany just redesigned the map. State Senator Michael Gianaris, who chairs the Legislative Redistricting Task Force, he says, we did the best we could with a flawed process. This is a very Democratic state. Let's start there. It's not surprising a fairly drawn map might lead to more Democrats getting elected. Okay, so for those of you who don't understand gerrymandering, gerrymandering basically is a way of drawing congressional maps such that. You turn, for example, heavy red districts into contested districts or turn contested districts into heavy blue districts. The idea is that by drawing the lines differently, you can magically shape how these districts go. So the most obvious district that has been reshaped here is the New York 11. So New York's 10th and 11th districts abut one another. The one that we were just talking about, the the district that is currently held by Representative Malia Takis, is the New York 11th district. It runs up directly against Jerry Nadler's district in the New York 10. The New York 10 district had the same map for quite a while. And now that map is changing. The way the map is changing is it is shedding a couple of very high population, very left areas into the New York 11, thereby turning a Republican district into a Democratic district. It shifts it from like an R plus 10 to to a D plus 10 in one redistricting. And you'll notice the way that they drew the lines when they included a bunch of new districts from Brooklyn in the New York 11. They specifically left out all the Orthodox Jewish neighborhoods, which are remaining in Jerry Nadler's district. Those are remaining in Jerry Nadler's district because the last thing they want to do is add a bunch of Orthodox Jews to the New York 11. If they add a bunch of Orthodox Jews to the New York 11, it gets more Republican again. So some might suggest that that is a watering down of the Jewish vote, which of course it is. But no, Democrats would never do anything like that. They they hate discrimination. All they want is one man, one vote. Yeah, unless they're doing the redistricting. The maps look ridiculous. I mean, if you actually look at a picture of the map, it looks like a Rorschach test. It's absurd. The reconfigured third district sprawls from Suffolk County through Nassau County, Queens and the Bronx into left-leaning parts of Westchester. The 19th district held by Representative Antonio Delgado would stretch all the way from Dutchess County in the Hudson Valley down to Utica and Binghamton in central New York. So uh, amazing stuff there from the New York Democrats, but really it's Republicans we should worry about. I mean, meanwhile, by the way, It's Democrats who are worried about the Nashville district. There's an entire piece in the New York Times, same day, about how it's Republicans in Tennessee who are really skewing things. By Margaret Renkel, contributing American opinion writer who covers flora, fauna, politics, and culture in the American South, which is a a hell of a portfolio. Flora, fauna, and politics. All right, so she covers butterflies and also politics. That is indeed a resume. And she's complaining about the fact that the Republicans are redistricting in Nashville. So that's really bad and super racist, of course. Quote, it would be a ludicrous map by any definition. What makes it an outrageous map from a civil rights standpoint is that it exists solely to silence voters in this city, one of the most racially and culturally diverse in Tennessee. Under the new redistricting plan, Republicans in the legislature kept intact the counties and virtually all other house districts. But they carved metropolitan Davidson County into three districts. Each one begins in Nashville and extends far into the overwhelmingly white surrounding counties. Clearly, this is a matter of crucial importance to Nashville voters, But it's also a stark example of the unfairness inherent in gerrymandering itself, which is so widespread and so undemocratic as to be nothing less than a national tragedy. But of course, really, they're only worried when when Republicans do it. When Democrats add three seats in New York, no problem. When when Republicans do one seat added, presumably, in Tennessee, then that is the big problem. Again, uh, there are no principles here. It is all just about power for Democrats, which brings us to the latest on COVID. So the American people are done. There's a brand new poll out. From Monmouth University, it says that seven in 10 Americans agree with the sentiment, quote, it's time we accept that COVID is here to stay and we just need to get on with our lives, including 78 percent of those who report having gotten COVID and 65 percent of those who say they've not been infected. The main difference in the sense that it is time to move on is due to partisanship, ranging from 89 percent of Republicans and 71 percent of independents to just 47 percent of Democrats. This is why Joe Biden is in a massive box of his own making. 53% of his own party doesn't think it's time to move on from COVID. They just want more restrictions now and forever. They don't want to get back to normal. By the way, you want to see how far out of the mainstream the Democrats are? All you have to do is look in these polls at the Republican-Independent-Democrat breakdown. What you'll notice is that the the independents are lining up much more closely to the Republican position than they are to the Democratic position. Again, about 90% of Republicans, 89% of Republicans, say it's time to move on. 70% of independents say it's time to move on. Only 47% of Democrats say it's time to move on which means Democrats lose on this issue. They do. Patrick Murray, director of the Independent Monmouth University Polling Institute, says Americans worried about COVID. They haven't gone away. It seems to be more of a realization we're not going to get this virus under control in a way we thought was possible just last year. Four in 10 Americans report they've already had COVID, including 27% who said their infection was confirmed with the test. About one third of people who have been vaccinated report also being infected with COVID. About 6 in 10 of those who have not gotten a shot say they've been infected with the virus as well. Which, by the way, when you game that out and you realize that the vast majority of this country has had at least one dose of the vaccine, that means that pretty much everybody's either got natural immunity or vax immunity. It's, it's It's a pretty small population at this point that has no natural immunity and no vax immunity. About half of the public is either very or somewhat concerned about catching one of the new COVID variants. This includes 58% of those who have not had COVID, but includes 38% of those who have already had it. The number of adults who are very concerned about catching a new variant is up somewhat from early December, which was only about 14%, before Omicron hit the United States. But a stable proportion of the public remains opposed to vaccination. Nearly half of American adults, 45% report getting the booster, but a significant number, 37%, remain unlikely to ever do so. Now, again, that's not anti-vaccination. I had both of the first shots and I didn't get the booster. I didn't get the booster because I'm young and because I'm healthy and because frankly, I would prefer to have had Omicron than to get the booster based on the risk factors and the natural immunity provided by Omicron. I wasn't going to die from Omicron because I'd already had the vax and the booster was just going to boost my antibodies so that I didn't actually get an infection. So I wasn't going to put off a mild infection that was going to provide me with natural immunity in favor of the possibility of a worse infection in four months. That'd be very silly. So again, what this poll basically says is that many Americans are pretty much done. But here's the thing. That same poll finds that just over half of Americans, 52%, support instituting or reinstituting face mask and social distancing guidelines in their home state. That number is down from September and December. but it's the same as last July. Less than half of the public, however, 43% supports requiring people to show proof of vaccination in order to work in an office. So only a minority of people like the Biden-vax mandate. But a 52% want some face mask and social distancing guidelines in their home state. And you can guarantee that all of those people voted for Joe Biden. Okay, but, but here's the thing. To move beyond this, to move beyond the, the slow economy and the panic-stricken lifestyle, this administration needs to mobilize on behalf of the idea that we're done now. But they're not going to. They will never do it. Here was Anthony Fauci yesterday, literally yesterday, saying we won't get back to a pre-COVID normal.
1: I believe we'll start to see much more being open about Indoor situations, be they theaters, be they restaurants, be they schools, be they workplaces. That doesn't mean that it's going to be exactly the way it was three or four years ago. But I think when it comes to travel, school, workplace, entertainment, we'll start to see a gradual return to normal even though normal will not be exactly the way it was before all of this. Okay, I
0: have some news for Anthony Fauci. Normal is exactly the way that it was before all of this. Down here in Florida, we are living exactly the way we were before all of this. My kids are not masked in school. I'm not masked when I go to the grocery store. I go to shul, the synagogue. I, I, I go to parties. It doesn't exist down here for all intents and purposes. All of your restrictions are, are of no consequence to us. We're living free, happy lives. And if you wish to remain miserable, that would be your choice at this point. And here's the thing. All of our most honored and cherished members of the political class, they're not miserable. They're out there partying. Okay. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, with inflation on the rise, 20 bucks barely gets you anything these days. In most restaurants, you can't get a burger and fries for under that. How about, like, at the gas pump? Well, you might be able to get, like, a quarter of a gallon or something. I mean, like, really, gas is getting very expensive, but... From my cell phone company, PureTalk, you can get unlimited talk, text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. PureTalk gives you the same quality of service as your current cell phone provider, but for half the cost. I want to ensure you heard that. This is top-tier coverage on America's most dependable 5G network for half the cost of other carriers. The average family will save almost 1000 bucks a year, all with no contracts and no activation fees. You can switch to PureTalk with the phone and phone number you currently use, or you can take advantage of their great deals on the latest iPhones and Androids. Making the switch is incredibly easy. Their U.S. customer service team can help you join Pure Talk in as little as 10 minutes. Choose to spend your hard-earned money with a wireless company that shares your values, supports our military and veterans, a company that creates American jobs and refuses to advertise on fake news networks. Don't spend another day spending ridiculous amounts of money on your phone plan. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro. Right now, my listeners can get an additional 50% off their very first month of coverage. That's puretalk.com Shapiro. Okay, so here's the magic of being a leftist elite. You can do whatever the hell you want while cramming restrictions down on everybody else. So California, which is just a bleep show. I mean, it's gotten worse, way worse since I left, which is amazing. I thought it was bad then. It's gotten way worse. They're now trying to pass through universal health care in the state for including all legal immigrants, and they want to raise taxes by like 40% in order to do so. So good luck with that. Meanwhile, they've got Governor Kendall over here, genderless Kendall over here, hanging out with Magic Johnson. At a, at a sports ball game. is the LA Rams game. And uh, here he is unmasked. I was not aware that this was allowed in California, but apparently here is uh, Governor Newsom with Magic Johnson in, in that nice? And uh, there are many pictures of him doing this. But the good news is that Gavin Newsom says that he had a mask on his hand, which is great because that is where you cough from, your hand. Typically, when I have some sort of cough, if I had COVID, I would assume that my hand would grow some sort of orifice and then I would start ejecting like Spider-Man COVID from my hand. Here is Gavin Newsom explaining that as long as the mask is on his hand by the transitive property it's on his mouth also. I was very
1: judicious yesterday, uh, very judicious. And you'll see the photo that I did take um, where magic was kind enough, generous enough to ask me for a photograph. And in my left hands, the mask and I took a photo. The rest of the time, I wore it uh, as we all should. not when I had a glass of water or a thing. And I encourage everybody else to do so. And uh, that's
0: it. That's it. That's it. Um, by the way, you should definitely, definitely mask up and wear one of those useless cloth masks around the immunocompromised. Like, say that you know that somebody is maybe the most famous person who's ever had HIV. Gavin Newsom. Um, yeah. Maybe that person is, is slightly overweight and, uh, and is reaching the age of, uh, of risk. Magic Johnson is um, 62 years old. Yeah, Gavin Newsom doing, doing yeoman's work over there. Meanwhile, Boris Johnson in serious hot water over in Great Britain, because as it turns out, he also was partying it up while pushing COVID restrictions on everybody else. What's amazing is all these politicians who basically are apologizing for the partying, not the restrictions. No one is pissed about the partying. We're pissed that you guys are hypocrites and ridiculous. That's why we're angry. The folks in Britain who are angry at Boris Johnson are not angry that he was partying while everybody else was locked down. They're angry that everybody else was locked down. But again, politicians, man, they have to maintain levels of control. Firstly, I want to say sorry. And I'm sorry for the things we simply didn't get right. And also sorry for the way that this matter has been handled. And it's no use saying that this or that was within the rules. And it's no use saying that people were working hard. This pandemic was hard. For everyone, to the people of this country,
1: I know what the issue is.
0: Yes, Yes, Mr. Speaker, yes, yes. It's whether this government can be trusted to deliver. And I say, Mr.
1: Speaker, yes, we can be trusted.
0: Okay. so one of my favorite things about Britain is that for all of the talk about gentility, they're so much more vicious with each other in these public settings. I wish that Congress worked like this. We all get it's really amazing. We really are very prim and proper here in the United States for all the talk about you know, lack of comedy. Do you ever hear that in Congress? Remember that time when there was a representative named Joe Wilson who got up during the State of the Union and shouted, you lie, at Barack Obama. and was like, oh my God, treason. He's the worst person who ever lived. It turned out Barack Obama was not telling the truth. Like that's every day in the UK. I kind of like it. I kind of want more of that. I wish that our politicians went at each other more like that. I think that'd be good as opposed to sniping at each other in the press, like pretending to be best friends while they're with each other. And then they go out behind the back and they they talk to CBS and call each other racist. In Britain, they just say it right to their faces, which I I kind of do appreciate. But the broader point is this. Boris Johnson is under fire, not because he's a hypocrite. He's under fire because his rule is dumb. Same thing with Randy Weingarten, right? Randy Weingarten is now saying that we have to keep masking kids. By the way, Denver now has a new rule. You know, you ready for Denver's new rule? Denver has now said adults can go to restaurants and businesses with no mask, but kids have to mask up. You're all insane. You've all lost your damn minds. You're you're not following the science whatsoever. Here's Randy Weingarten, who doesn't give a crap about the science. All she wants is her teachers to get paid for never having to go back to a classroom again.
1: There's not a person I know who wants to wear these things. But the reason we wear them is to protect ourselves and others. It's not about particularly in the midst of Omicron. CDC and others have basically said that this has helped protect people from huge dissemination of a very, very transmissible virus. There is so no I would data. I to the None. governor of, of Virginia and to oh others, you know, this, you know, wait till the end of the Omicron spike. None uh. of us want to wear the masks. Oh, bull- we want to actually, though, make sure that kids are in school and stay in schools. Because
0: okay, she's so full of crap. These people are so full of crap. She doesn't care about kids staying in school. She wants the kids never to have to go back to school and her teachers keep getting paid by the state. There is no data that masked schools had lower levels of transmission over the course of the pandemic than unmasked schools. Because kids don't know how to wear masks. Also, it turns out cloth masks, as many of us were saying from the beginning, are pretty much useless. Cloth masks did nothing against Delta. If they did something against the original variant, that might be something. But they did nothing against Delta, literally no data to show that they did anything against Delta. And they certainly don't do anything against Omicron. And yet here she is saying we have to keep masking kids until the end. of, But we know this isn't true. We know that she's not going to stop with the end of Omicron. This is going to be the new normal. The new normal that the left wants is perpetual panic over whatever public health emergency they can declare. This is a sign of fealty. It is a religious icon. In the same way that I wear a yarmulke to show fealty to God, there are a bunch of people out there in the United States who are now wearing face masks to show fealty to government. That is what this is. Fealty to left-wing principles and, and a bizarre cultic belief system that if you do all the things the government tells you to do, you won't get Omicron and you won't get sick and you'll have done all of the sacrifices to the gods of COVID. The left created this bizarre mentality at the beginning of the pandemic that COVID was basically God's punishment to the United States for electing Donald Trump. It was the Trump disease. Trump had made it spread. And that only government could cure it and only faith in government. If you clap hard enough, Tinkerbell will live. And then Joe Biden took over and they got what they wanted. And guess what? More people have died under Joe Biden than died under Donald Trump because it turns out no one can control a pandemic like this. It's just not possible. But they can't accept that because that would break their pre-existing belief system. This is the rule. Whether we're talking about the intersectional philosophy of life that results in full anti-Semitism or whether we are talking about Omicron, the pattern for the left is posit a theory that has nothing to do with reality. Crash headlong into the iceberg of reality and then keep putting your foot to the gas. Keep pushing that boat into the iceberg. After all, it's all just a matter of willpower. You can, you can outwill that iceberg. You just keep, keep going, man. You have to just keep pretending along. And any failures that you have experienced are not the result of your own failures of your philosophy. No, those failures are not the result of your religious iconography. Those failures are the result of heretics. And if we burn enough heretics at the stake, then we will get to a pure world in which everyone agrees with you. And then the messianic leftism, utopianism of the left will arrive full-fledged on earth. That's what this comes down to. It's a religious, it's a religious worldview, much more religious worldview than, than any of the worldviews that I hold. And I'm a pretty religious guy. Meanwhile, Justin Trudeau doing the same thing up in Canada, ripping the truckers again. Uh, So this guy now has COVID. So after all of his precautions, after all of his hiding basements, after all of his ridiculous pledges to perform sacrifices of vegan animals on the the pagan altars of COVID, this guy got COVID. Here he was yesterday announcing that uh, the truckers are the bad guys.
1: I have attended protests and rallies in the past. Uh, When I agreed with the goals, when I supported the people uh, expressing their concerns and their issues. Black Lives Matter is an excellent example of that. But I have also chosen to not go anywhere near protests that have expressed hateful rhetoric, violence towards fellow citizens, uh, and a disrespect, uh, not just of science, but of uh, the frontline health workers and, quite frankly, the 90% of truckers who have been doing the right thing to keep Canadians safe, to put food on our tables.
0: What a damn joke this guy is. Canadians
1: know where I stand. This is a moment for responsible leaders to think carefully about where they stand and who they stand with.
0: I used to call this guy handsome Bernie Sanders, but now he's kind of mediocre looking Bernie Sanders. I have to say that COVID appears to have taken some of the life out of him. But my, my favorite part of this statement is where he says that these trucker protests, which have been peaceful so far as I'm aware, there were no arrests. Uh, These are really bad. They're really bad. And they're quasi-violent. They're violent. violent. They've expressed hateful rhetoric, violence toward fellow citizens, disrespect of science, disrespect. But by the way, he attended Black Lives Matter protests in the middle of the pandemic. In the middle of the pandemic. I never forget that all of your experts who told you that you could not go outside with your kids to a park also said that you should twerk in the streets for George Floyd predicated on the lie that American law enforcement are systematically racist against black people. Never forget that, because these are the experts who expect you to trust them and not Joe Rogan. These are the people who let Whoopi Goldberg off the hook for anti-Semitism. These are the people who tell you that if you perform all of these acts of obeisance with your children on behalf of them so they can go to their nightclubs and sip their cosmopolitans, then this makes makes you a better person, a more morally praiseworthy person. They're a joke. They won't stop being a joke. People know they're a joke. They're going to get their asses kicked in November, and they deserve to have it. And it's not just going to be in the United States. Internationally, Reality is coming for these philosophies. The iceberg is right ahead. And if they don't pay attention, that iceberg is going to take their ship down and they will deserve it. Every bit of it. All righty, we'll be back here later today with an additional hour of content. Coming up soon is the Matt Wall Show airing at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to check it out over at dailywire.com. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Help spread the word about The Ben Shapiro Show by giving us a five-star review and sharing the show with a friend. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out some of our other Daily Wire shows. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld, executive producer Jeremy Boring, our supervising producer is Mathis Glover, and our production manager is Pavel Wydowski, associate producer Bradford Carrington, editing is by Adam Saevitz, audio is mixed by Mike Coromina, hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant, Jessica Crand. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production.
1: Copyright Daily Wire 2022. On the Matt Wall Show, we talk about the things that matter. Real issues that affect you, your family, our country, not just politics, but culture, faith, current events, all the fundamentals. If they matter to you, come check out the show.